is the bullpen on 1027 ESPN with Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins. Opinions are welcome at 512-834-1027. Yay! Yay! What's up? Hey, America! Yay! Listen to this. What's up? Can we go I know home? you. Can we go home? You. Hey. You there. I know you. I do know you. What's up? We're talking to you, by the way. Hey, I found my replacement to Topo Chico, and it's this. I was looking at that out there. What is it? Was it Mineragua? Yeah, it's made by uh, Yaritos. I don't know if I pronounced that right, and I apologize. If is I that didn't. flavored? Because it looks no, like blueberries. This, no, this front. is just plain old sparkling water. Yeah. Since Coca-Cola came in and ruined Topo Chico for all of us, this is actually a Explain decent Explain to me why, why, why Topo Chico tastes fine to me. Topo Chico is fine. They upped the price, so now nobody around Austin, none of the bars, none of the rest, like maybe 10% of the restaurants and bars have Topo Chico now. Oh. Everybody switched to that crappy Waterloo. Look, no offense to Waterloo. Not a it's fan. It's fine. Huh? I'm not a fan of that. I'm very I'm very picky, apparently. But Topo Chico was my jam, and then Coke bought it, and now you can't find it anywhere, uh, and I'm not surprised. I did see. Mine. I did see it in uh, the fancy... Fancy seats behind home plate and and uh, at the juice box last. What night. is fancy? Yeah, well, it's Minute Maid Park. Yeah, yeah. I, what do you call right. the little fancy seats right behind home plate? Because they're the Diamond Club in T-Mobile. I don't know. I I just always assume that's where George Bush sat. George and Barbara Bush sat. Sure. Well, regardless, thank you for that. This is really good. I had to break out the Red Bull for this one. I'm I'm that's tired. That's fair. I probably need like six of those. Uh, I would. Uh, I'm not far off. All combined since I got here early. Yeah, and this I just morning. slammed a whole glass of coffee. Hello. All Good right. morning. Well, welcome, my friends, to the bullpen Friday edition. We have made it to the end of the week. As as Todd Jeffries would say, the freaky fun Friday edition of uh the bullpen. Good that doesn't you. roll off the tongue as well as as I had hoped, though. Yeah, I think he's got that nailed down. You that might want to leave is, it to the is, professionals. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a Jeffries original uh, or whatever. Uh, Todd Jeffries. So uh, anyway, but yeah, we're we're glad to have you here. Five one two eight three four one zero two seven. Happy Friday! Happy Friday to you as well, Patrick yeah. Osborne, Brandon Elkins, with you. A <laughs> couple of lovable idiots here to talk sports with you for the next hour. Let's do it. All right. I also appreciate our new sign that's leaning on our wall and not quite up yet. This is so on par. <laughs> this <laughs> sign that's leaning up against another sign. It's great. I love it. I'm looking forward to when they finally get this studio up and running. Look, you know. A little bit of ventilation so it doesn't smell like an armpit in here every yeah. day. Yeah. That would be nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, earlier this week, as we talked a little bit about, uh, I think yesterday, the NFL announced that uh, it's playing a regular season game on uh, New Day each year now, and that would be Black Friday. Dun, dun, dun. So, for years, Black Friday, which, if you don't know, it's for, Apple Cup Friday. For the two of you who don't know, it's the day after Thanksgiving. The two of you. <laughs> uh, post-holiday smorgasbord of, of college football. Yep. In a way, you could argue that Black Friday belongs to college football. I, Not anymore, uh, though. It should. Not anymore. Actually, no no one should be playing on Black Friday, but that's, you know, that's just me. So the NFL uh, apparently is continuing to encroach on the territory that uh, has long, for years, belonged to the college football Black Friday is only the latest, though the NFL starts playing regular season games on Saturdays in mid-December, has expanded its own playoff to create an additional wild-card game, uh, and has started to dominate Thursday nights with the league streaming package on Amazon, which has yet to reach the 13 million viewers promised. At this point, it's uh, it would be a hard press to say it will. Last night's game didn't make a case for it uh, climbing much farther. You know, 
I had to put my foot in my mouth on that game because I thought the Cardinals were done. I thought uh, Cliff Kingsbury was on his way out, and there's no chance that they were going to beat the Saints, even though they were at home. And boy, was I wrong. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Work. I didn't watch most of it. Uh, I came in late, but I saw the score, and I was very surprised. I. This is one of those games. Like I. I don't. I. I really couldn't have cared less if I tried. Mm. I, it's just two teams that I have never, ever had a, an interest in. Sure. Maybe slightly, when Larry Fitzgerald was catching everything that was thrown to him within a mile of his of his hands. Mm. Uh, that was kind of fun watching, you know, yeah. the Cardinals then. But I, I don't know. Just, but hey, DeAndre Hopkins is back. That's Ooh. the main reason that I I tuned in occasionally to watch. Sure. And and he he looked okay. You know, first came back. Yeah, you know, not, not going to be perfect. Some rust to knock off there, but yeah, uh, yeah all in all, looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so definitely, we'll we'll get into more Thursday night football talk. But uh, the uh, the the college football uh, the, the the CFP management committee. Uh, met for seven hours yesterday in Dallas, and yet another attempt to finalize details on this new 12-team uh, the playoff. And the NFL's takeover of Black Friday, uh, it's, it's got no impact on expansion games, but it, it really is another dagger you know, from the big league fired at, at Little Brother College Football. Would you really call them Little Brother, though? Well, Because college football is, I feel like, yes, it's even I more would, popular to some people than the NFL. I would argue, uh, I, I like to argue in greenbacks. Okay, so I I think in that in that degree to that degree the, the your college football NCAA is no slouch. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. They uh they got more money than Heisenberg. Yes, but nice. Uh, the NFL I think is doing a little bit better. Okay, that would be that that would that's my metric. Sure, and my litmus test there. Yeah. Okay. Money wise, but we're talking fan base wise. I feel like they may have the upper hand. When is ever when has fan base ever driven a decision from the NFL or the NCAA for that matter? I don't know when they have 100,000 seat stadiums and they fill them no problem every year they whether they're money. good or bad because they can make money. Right. But and they're making a lot of money. So you wonder if they're actually not making less money than the NFL. Trust I know me, the NFL's making money obviously, but if the NFL could make money without a single person in the stands, they would do it. And they, they don't did. care about you or they me. They technically did. Yeah, they figured yeah, out a right. way in 2020. Yeah, that's nobody right. was in the stands. Wow. So feels anyway, like, feels I, like a long time ago. I feel like the CFP management board, uh, management committee, whining a little bit here. Oh, know, I mean, yeah, whining the, a little too much. And that's is, all they can do. This is this is growth. This yeah. is progress. Uh, this is this is what you get. You know, they you, can't. You can't claim a day on the calendar. Yeah, and they can't stop what's coming, but they can complain about it to the media, even though it's just going to be put out there in space, and no one's going to really care. Yeah. Uh, people will watch both. They will. They'll figure it that's, out. See, that's what I think. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, you, you two worry. can bicker all you want, but people will watch. Yeah. They'll find a way. You know, they'll find a way to watch your both your as an example and NFL. As an example, you and I both, I know we we have a tendency to do this. Have you know two, three baseball games on at the same time? Yeah. Well, you know. The great thing about MLB.tv was they allowed it. you to do that. That's how you do it. Or yeah. I have, you know, other ways where I can use my Chromecast for one input and use my other means of watching games, and I can just switch back and forth on that because if they're not both on TV. What I other can, means? My YouTube TV. <laughs> my YouTube TV. I didn't say any streaming services. No. Illegal. Uh, so <clears throat> apparently there, there's a, law, a lawsuit alleging the NCAA failed to protect a former USC football player from repeated concussions is nearing a trial in Los Angeles court. Uh, with a jury seated yesterday, this could become a, a very landmark case. You hear about this? Mm-mm. So the suit filed uh, by Matt Gee's widow. Do you remember Matt Gee? 
Uh, former USC linebacker. He died in 2018 from permanent brain damage caused by a ton of blows that uh, he took while playing for the 1990 Rose Bowl winning team. Oh, dang. Had a roster that also include, included Junior Seau, who also is no longer with us because right. of issues related to CTE. shots to the head. Uh, so of the hundreds of wrongful death and personal injury lawsuits brought by college football players against the NCAA over the past decade, Gee's only the second to head toward trial and could be the first to actually reach the jury. The issue of concussions in sports, and really football in particular, front and center in a lot of years, especially this year as we've watched what's happened to Tua mm-hmm. and others in the NFL. And uh, as research has discovered more about the long-term effects and uh, repeated head trauma, you know, ranging from headaches and depression and, and sometimes early onset Parkinson's or, or, or Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. You know, more and more is being learned. Uh, and so th- this could definitely be a landmark case here. And in fact, uh, Longhorns head coach Steve Sarkeesian was asked about uh, concern o- over head injuries recently. I may have had one. I'm not certain. You know, a little different protocol back then when I was playing. You know, I, I think I think college football has done a really good job of trying to make our game safer than it was and continue to make it safe. You know, we've instituted some some different practice habits and, and rules and the way we practice, whether it's number of consecutive padded practices or specific drills that we can or cannot do. Clearly, I think they've done a nice job uh, with implementing different rules in game of what you can and can't do. And I'm not just talking about head injuries. You know, they've, you know, crack back blocks, cut blocking, different things of that nature that are that are trying to prevent injuries. I think it's constant in teaching the players how to do what the rules are allowing you to do. And that that's something that we have to assume that responsibility to make sure that we put our players in the best, best position to execute and play within the guidelines of the rules, but also from a team perspective, because those are some pretty hefty fouls. When you lose a player for the remainder of a game or you lose a player for the first half of the next game, that's a hefty foul that that you that you endure. So we're constantly trying to teach. But in the end, I do think it's for the betterment of our game. Like I've, I've said this before, we've got a beautiful game and none of us want our game to go away or go, you know, in, in, in such a manner that, man, what happened to football? It is still a contact sport. It is still a physical sport, but there are ways to make it safe. And, and I think that whether it's the NFL, college football, high school football, I think we're constantly working at that. We're looking at that in, in ways to, to implement things that can continue to keep our game safe, but yet allow the game to flourish and grow because it is a beautiful game. You know, there's something unique about our game that, that, that has so many positives about it. I think sometimes injuries, especially head injuries, take the spotlight. But man, there's a lot of great things that happen because of the game of football. So there you go. There's a head coach, Longhorns head coach Steve Sarkeesian take on uh, the issue of head injuries. I love his uh, answer to being asked uh, if he's ever had a concussion. He goes, "Uh, maybe one, I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like a pretty typical response to having a concussion. I don't know. I might have. I don't know. I might have. I might have gotten hit so hard. I don't remember. I don't remember. So (laughs) Uh, that usually sounds like a yes. So anyway, this will be interesting to watch as to whether or not actually this this, uh, lawsuit reaches the jury because it definitely would would, would set a precedent here. Yeah. Interesting to, to note that the lawyers say they expect the NFL payouts to top $1.4 billion over 65 years for six qualifying conditions that include Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and dementia. Good. So the, uh, Sounds like they're doing the right thing. Yeah. That's a, that's a hefty amount of money. But look, they can, they can afford it. Sure they can. We sure just talked can. about how much money they have 
I mean, this should be nothing. Now, I do have to ask, you know, at what, at what point is it a grown man's decision to get into a game in which he knows head injuries could be part of the part of the package? I don't know. That's a slippery slope. Right now, they're just trying to keep everyone safe. I do believe in personal You're accountability. You're too many of the right questions. I do believe though. in personal accountability. To, yeah. uh, you know, to, to some degree... Personal accountability always comes into play, and I and I think so here. But aren't they relying? Their choices are relying on the equipment that is uh, given to them Absolutely. by the companies and the NFL. Absolutely, so but you should know you, the risks. There, yeah, there are the risks, but there's also supposed to be protocol to help make sure that this doesn't happen with the equipment that is provided to them right now. Yeah, right, right, and that hasn't that that's changed, sure. but it hasn't changed the fact of it's still happening. Yeah, so what are they doing that's different? Yeah, I know they're trying. I've seen it, but I haven't really seen them put it on the field because guys are still getting hurt. The only new real thing I've seen is what we talked about during the training camp when they had the, the guardian little like guardian, yeah, caps. the guardian caps. So you imagine, where, uh, imagine can, a whole a whole uh, a whole year like uh, every game played regular season, everybody's wearing these guardian caps. I mean, if you can so if you can weird. maneuver a way to uh, put it inside. And not be stuck on the outside. Sure, maybe the helmets will be a, a little bit bigger, but I mean, I don't know. What what are we doing for safety there? So many jokes to make. I know what, well, so but we're trying to be serious I here know, at the same I time. Know. I'm just why I'm not making them. Yeah, but gosh, I'm, I'm just I'm biting. Yeah, because it looks like they're look they look like cone heads with freckles on. Them. That's one. <laughs> That's one. Obviously, I'm not an engineer, so I don't know how you could make it where where it would it would. You get that padding on yeah. the inside. How much more padding can you put is, in there? Is the exterior padding I think is part of it? Yeah. Anyway, they're weird looking, but from what I understand, they work. Why isn't there like a spring load on the, on like the the middle portion of the helmet so it kind of absorbs most of the hit and then pushes back a little bit? Why don't we just go all the way and install <laughs> airbags? Airbags on helmets. You you can argue that there already are with the padding that's on the inside. Put them in those Zorb balls or whatever they call them. You Look, know, as someone who has been in a very, around. very uh, scary accident involving airbags, as in, i.e., one popped in my face when I was in four, fifth grade. They're pretty loud. They're loud, yeah. and they're fast, yeah. and they hurt. And all that dust, they burn. That's yeah. right. They do it's burn. all the above. It went boom right right there, and I was... Uh, it's insult to injury is what like it is. Eight. Is what it is. Yeah, so... You get PTSD I, from that kind of thing. There, there's, there's, there's more blame. To, there's more blame than just you know holding players accountable for their decisions, because they're also relying well, on equipment that they're told is supposed to keep them safe. Right, and at no point did I say that. that no, that's and I know so you're right, but, but I do think when that you bring up accountability, that that also should be added to it. Absolutely, as well. absolutely. Um, so you know, but, but I, I, I have questioned for a long time. At what point does you know per, one's own personal decision come into it? You know. You could wear a bulletproof vest all day long. It's not going to stop you from dying center mass every time you get shot. Yeah, you know? I don't think it's controversial uh, because most guys, most people, when they go into playing these sports, they know what they're getting themselves mm-hmm. into. Mm-hmm. So it's a violent game. Yeah, it is a violent game. It sure is. And we're lovers at the bullpen. We're not violent. Especially, especially a baseball. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, we heard there from Steve Sarkeesian, and uh, we've also heard a little, a little from him a bit uh, this week about uh, Ajay Hall, wide receiver Ajay Hall. Mm-hmm. He's uh, among the non-freshman players for the, the Texas Longhorns. He's arguably the most important decision about a potential redshirt. He's a sophomore. 
Uh, he's returned this year from that indefinite suspension, mm-hmm. you remember, yep. uh, which uh, Sark said was not something based on uh, one incident. He said that back in August. Hall, though, was arrested, charged with criminal mischief because he removed a parking boot from a vehicle. Now, I'm not condoning that, but come on, who cares? Yeah, really. Like, really, who like, cares? Really. Uh, so Hall dressed against losing Monroe, uh, didn't appear in season opener before a season ex- extremely limited action against UTSA, Texas Tech, West Virginia. One catch for seven yards against the Red Raiders. So he's afforded only one more appearance for the season before he'd lose his red shirt. And Sark was asked this week about his plan for Hall over the, the final five games of the regular season. It's been a bit of a journey since he's been here. He's had some ups, had some downs. You know, at this moment in time, if we can preserve his red shirt, I think that would be the in the best interest of him and the best interest of us. Okay. So, so there you go. So it sounds like it's going to happen. I think yeah. it's a decision that makes sense for Hall long term. Yeah, I mean, he's stuck. He He's going to be the third or fourth wide receiver no matter what. Yeah. And with the, uh, the uh, emergence of the tight end, what's his name, that uh, Hudson Carden leaned on. Um, I can't remember his name, but the tight that the that with those guys, there's not a lot more you know passes to be uh, thrown around. Yeah, yeah. That's that's all I'm saying is it, it's smart to do that because he hasn't really seen much action and he wouldn't anyway. Yeah, as long as everyone stays healthy. Yeah. Um, I mean Hall's not really expected to mer- uh, short term. He won't emerge down the stretch as a, a potential number three wide receiver, exactly. you know, behind Worthy and Whittington, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I think this is a decision that makes good sense. Sure, and uh, I hope he agrees. Yeah, yeah. You know, you lose momentum when you uh, you get yourself in trouble like that. Yeah. Also, so uh, Quinn Ewers has cracked the USA Today's top college quarterback rankings. Oh, coming off of that injury, uh, now uh, top ten quarterback rankings. Now in a hypothetical world. In nine total starts. Right. <laughs> in a hypothetical world where he didn't go down with the injury against Alabama, Horns are 7-0, and possible mm-hmm. top 10. Absolutely, right? yeah. This is not a hypothetical world we live in. This is reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you can look at is he's been quite impressive uh, for the most part. A couple of stumbles, looked a little questionable at times against Iowa State. Look, and yeah, and that won't be the last time either no. because, like we talked about, this is going to be his 10th total start in college football. He hasn't even played one full season yet. Of He doesn't even have a full season of starts under his belt yet. So these are going to happen. And even if he did, these are just normal things that just happen to players. You know, they either lose focus or, or for whatever reason or the defense is showing them something they weren't ready for. I mean... We did. We had more questions than answers on him in the first place. Right. So I think everyone should be happy with what they have gotten from him so far, regardless of you know him throwing an interception his first or his second throw ever yeah. as a as a Longhorn. Everybody all, throws all an I'm, interception. All, yeah, you all, know what's going to happen? All I'm really saying is that I, I think it's justified. He's top ten, even though we haven't really seen his full potential yet. So he is number ten. Uh, it's got. It shows him as uh, it says. Looking ahead, it's clear Texas has a great chance at winning the Big 12 should the freshman maintain his level of play from the past two weeks. After torching Oklahoma for 289 yards and four scores in that route, Ewers had three touchdowns uh, and no interceptions as Longhorns beat Iowa State 24-21. No reason to think he won't do that. So, yeah, I'm I'm fully, um, I, I think this is great. Number 10, good for him. And uh, good for the Longhorns. Absolutely. So we got a little bit more Longhorn talk on the way, uh, a little bit more uh, predictions, possible Big 12 predictions, and uh, looking farther out into the world of college football for tomorrow. A little NFL talk coming up. And, of course, it wouldn't be a day in the bullpen. 
if we didn't go to the ballpark. Amen. You want to talk to us in the bullpen? Give us a shot. 512-834-1027. Opinions are welcome. Always. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. You know, obviously Quinn's got a great deal of composure. Um, you know, he's got poise. Uh, I never feel like the moment's too big for him. If it is, he doesn't show it. You know, and I think that's that's a that's a great sign. It's a, he's got you know, he's got a great poker face. You know, if if he is a little anxious uh, or is feeling a little uncertain, um, he always seems to kind of give that confident feeling. And you know, I think that that bodes well for our team. You know, I think our team, our players, our coaches. It's natural that that most quarterbacks are the ones that uh, kind of are the head of the snake, you know, and he, he's he got that about him. You know, I think being with him now more and being on the sideline wins with him and watching him kind of overcome adversity is something that I've been very impressed with him. Going back to the very first game against Monroe, you know, the first third down, he throws an interception. He comes right back and, and plays good football for us, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm learning him more which is part of the process. But I do think he's got a, a, a calm demeanor about him and that he really just goes and plays the next play. And he doesn't harbor things that occurred before, good or bad. He just plays in the moment. And that's that's a great thing to have at the quarterback position. And welcome back to the bullpen. Head coach Steve Sarkeesian there talking about Quinn Ewers on his first true road game mm-hmm. this weekend, heading to Stillwater. I'm excited. The number 11 Oklahoma State Cowboys. So how do you see this one shaking out? Well, I really think it all depends on who starts at quarterback for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Yeah. Because uh, if Spencer Sanders does start and he's healthy enough to play and he looks the part, I don't know. I don't I don't see I don't see a chance for, for t- I see a, a slim chance, but it seems likely that o- OK State might win that one. Gundy, but, Gundy's still been really aloof yeah. about Spencer. Although he could they could start him and he still could be potentially injured and be limited and not be able to do the things that, that he right. normally can do because he's a dual threat guy. He right. can run and throw. Uh, if they can bottle him up and make him one-dimensional, they got a shot. But, man, it's going to be tough. It's going to be it's gonna be a fun game. I, th- I think I, I still want to say the Horns will win by three, but I don't know if you know this. The line is now up to six and a half for, for Texas. Texas? Yeah. Texas by six and a half. By six and a half. That's wow. what I was told last night by Interesting. Ed. So they clearly know something. And it, if if it's that high for an opponent, a lower ranked opponent, you got to believe that Sanders is most likely out. Well, I would have to assume that last week certainly knocked Texas out of its cloud that it had been in this. Uh, we are this mighty powerhouse, untouchable. Mm. I, I think. Do you that, think they're they're that with with all the turmoil they've had throughout the last couple of year, few ten I years? No, I, I I think I think that this team has has at at times maybe gotten a little overconfident mm. but i think that last week was a reality check and i think that that's probably i got a feeling that they that's kind of le- last week leveled them out for the re- the remainder of the season i think they're sure. they're going to be far more focused from here on especially tomorrow than uh than we saw them last week you certainly. could argue that it's only one half we're talking about is you know not just the game as a whole as a wake-up call it was just that first half like Hey, we are we're we we've had these good wins here, but all of a sudden now we're down. We got to figure this thing out. Yeah. So I think uh, defensively, Texas probably needs to shore up its coverage a little bit better. I think Mike Gundy has been able to go to school on on the way I, Iowa State. They just they really got to stop the run this game. Yeah. Because it's gonna it's gonna bite them in the butt two different way, two three different ways. So, uh, but I I I do like Texas here. Uh, I I. I want to believe that they're going to keep this train rolling all the way through. 
through the season. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because a lot of teams that they thought once were going to be difficult are now all of a sudden beatable. Not going to be not be not going to be getting a ton easier for them. Yeah. Throughout the remainder of the season, uh, Oklahoma State starting defensive tackle Brandon Evers, who's been dealing with a, an unspecified injury, has said that he'll be skipping the rest of the season, start prepping for the NFL draft. Okay. He's a sixth year player, twenty six career starts, fifty three appearances. Uh, he says he's consulted with his family and Oklahoma State coaches and medical staff. Uh, he started. Uh, four of the first six games for Oklahoma State appeared in five, three tackles. Uh, he's uh, looks like he he doesn't have an ESPN rating for the NFL draft. That's okay. Yeah, I mean it's not a huge deal. No. Uh, started all fourteen games last year, uh, twenty one tackles, three sacks, and uh, so so there you go. Yeah, so that I gotta believe that's what that training is for because mm-hmm. he's he's obviously not coming back. It's, he's been with there six years now, so I would assume he's not going to Van Wilder that thing, and they wouldn't let him play football. If he did, uh, and so doing this, yeah, will help hopefully get him some rankings and maybe get him invited to the combine. Hopefully so, hopefully so. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the probably one of the bigger games I'm looking forward to this week is uh, it's it's got to be Kansas State at, at TCU. Mm. I, I'm thinking that uh, this this one has the 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 makings of of all kinds of fun. Okay, I like TCU in this one, but I don't think it's going to be an easy role for him. TCU's got confidence. They look great. Taking Oklahoma State to double overtime like that and winning, that's, that'll, that'll help. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you heard LSU football coach Brian Kelly ranting about instant replay? No. No? You got an opinion on instant replay? I did see a fun meme where they uh, they took his Twitter account and tweeted at Taylor Swift with uh, <laughs> saying that her new album today was trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if that was real because that's just who he is. I don't understand why people like playing for this guy. One of my favorite Taylor Swift stories actually is she's only secondary to the story, but it was a few years ago. Tool released its first album in like, you know, almost a decade and a half or so, knocking Taylor Swift off the top of the charts. Mm. And you had this entire generation of kids, Taylor Swift fans, asking, who the F is Tool? <laughs> and I just loved it because. Tool swooping in to basically save humanity from right. this horrible music. Hundred percent horrible. Music. Tools, thank, thank awesome. you, Tool. Thank you for saving humanity, Tool. Uh, but yeah, so apparently Brian Kelly thinks that uh, instant replay is quote ruining the game. <laughs> he would. He's such a curmudgeon. He said, "Well, okay." So on Monday he said it was slowing the game down. Then he had a few days to stew about it. <laughs> and then yesterday in his weekly radio show, he says ten out of ten times the call stands on the field, unless it's an LSU call, right? Or is it just me? Oh, my God. <laughs> Stop. God, this guy. Brian Kelly, man. I mean, yeah, that's, that's what you're I'll, he, I'll bet he's, he's a guy who would say claim he's canceled while he's on a live broadcast somewhere or on TV somewhere calling himself canceled. Well, he says it's slowing the game. But Saturday's game, LSU game, took more than three and a half hours to play, and Kelly says that's, that's a big concern for him. And I would agree. I, I mean, you don't want your football games going too long. You want your baseball games going long. Dude, big deal. You want a six-hour baseball game is what you want. I feel like when you play at LSU, you play big games, and, and when, when things need to be checked out because, you know, any, any sort of play matters, don't you want to be able to make sure that the call was right on the field? See, this is when I need an Arnold Schwarzenegger drop that says, stop whining. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So uh, college football coming off the peaks of that loaded week seven. All attention now on week eight. Uh, five matchups pitting top 25 teams tomorrow against one another. Half those 10 teams ring an undefeated record. Two, number five, Clemson. Number 14, Syracuse. That, uh, Orange are surprisingly unbeaten. Mm. Two touchdown underdogs for that one. 
Uh, looks like 2.30 uh, tomorrow, they'll have UCLA traveling to Oregon. A game with serious Pac-12 implications. Chip Kelly returns to Eugene. Mm-hmm. Of course, we've been talking about Oklahoma State uh, hosting Texas tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow night, Alabama looking to bounce back from the loss to Tennessee, welcoming Mississippi State at 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. That'll be on ESPN. Uh, undefeated TCU hosting Kansas State and uh, yet another high-stakes Big 12 clash. Should be a fun day. I'd love to see Mike Leach football. beat Alabama. Just see that stupid smile he has. That would be. His half smile, half smirk. Half, I don't know what I'm doing there. That would be pretty satisfying. <laughs> would be pretty satisfying <laughs> I, I, indeed. I miss that guy at Wazoo. So shifting over to the NFL now, 49ers sending second, third, fourth round picks in 2023 and a fifth round pick in 2024 to the Carolina Panthers for running back Christian McCaffrey. Someone's got to be a star of that team because Debo Samuel can't do it all himself because Jimmy Garoppolo can't seem to get it to him. I, well, look, the deal gives the 49ers uh, an offensive playmaker that you could argue they really need to compete for a Super Bowl. Yeah. And it gives McCaffrey a chance to be on a winning team for the first time since his rookie season way back in 2017. Yeah, but now you have two very injury-prone players in your very key spots right. at quarterback and running back. Right. Because Christian McCaffrey has not proven that he can stay healthy all year in a long time. Yeah, he missed twenty two or I'm sorry, twenty three of thirty three games during twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Yeah, he played ten games in three seasons, but he was injury free in his first three NFL seasons. That's called wear and tear, my yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah. That's called not being, you know, ignoring things until it's it's too much, but, and then that's going to prolong things now. But when he's healthy, there's no doubt. He, I mean, he's he's one of the best dual threats the NFL's got. Yeah. I mean, it, it's he, cool to see him back in uh, in uh, 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 Northern California, where he went to school yeah. in Stanford. A few years ago, he had a thousand rushing yards and a thousand receiving yards in the same. That was twenty nineteen. Wow, third player this in NFL a, history. It's really that. not that long ago. No, what happened? No. So uh, anyway, yeah. I, th- so that's that's the big news. Apparently, the Rams were involved in this too. They they were making a pretty big play for for McCaffrey. Apparently, the NFC West is uh, the place to be. Who giddy up? I guess. Because <laughs> we're West. all tied. Well, except for Carol, or, uh, Arizona. It's weird out there in the West. I don't know what they do out there. Oh, they take their <laughs> kale shots and their wheatgrass shots. Oh, is shots that what they do? And, okay. And they, yeah, they Confirming mow their what I, what and I've eat, always their, eat their shavings. Well, that's just gross. It's <laughs> just foul. Uh, but, yeah, according to... Have you to, not seen Coneheads? Have we not been talking about that? I mean, they use their vacuum and... Anyway. That's right. They did. I forgot. I forgot about that. That was a long time ago. That movie's that came out a, a while ago. And the original Conehead skits, skits from SNL, from SNL those yeah. were great too. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I used to fall asleep to reruns of the old SNL. Uh, they, they were on Nick at Night nice. years ago, back yep. in like the late 80s. Oh, oh, really? The late 80s? Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, there was a time. I was going to say, I, did, I watched that too, but not in the late 80s. That mm-hmm. was... I was still very young boy. See, well, young you lad at bridge the, the generations of this. I know. The, this once great show that we, we know as Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. It's once great because mm-hmm. that is the key right there. It's bridge generations. That's true. Until recently when it, it, it sought to divide more than it did anything else. Yeah, well, but that's another argument. It's argue. not really that good that's anymore. A, no, it's awful is what yeah. it is. Awful. Anyway. Anyway, so back to the, yeah, so the 49ers won the sweepstakes here, but uh, they, they the Rams made a push, just according to Tom Pelissero. That's a hefty price. NFL Network. They couldn't match the price, and that was the problem. Uh, they, they, they just couldn't match what, what San Francisco wanted, was willing to offer here. So they ended up uh, 49ers sending the Panthers that second, third, and fourth round NFL draft picks. Next year, fifth round draft pick in 2024. And Eesh. L.A. just never was You better hope he stays healthy because that was that, that's a heavy price for that guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, risk is worth reward, but we don't know if reward is worth the risk. Mm. 
Huh? I don't know. Huh? <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> okay. Pretty clever there, man. Pretty clever. Hey, I try. Uh, so, yeah, that, so last night's game, Cardinals snapping that eight-game home losing streak with that 42-34 win. I, I shocked. I I'm shocked. I'm, I'm utterly shocked. More, more so the fact that the Saints got beat up so badly because that's not the same Arizona team I saw on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, they were they were at home there too. And, well, I guess no, they're in Seattle. But regardless, Kyler Murray couldn't get ball anywhere. He was overthrowing everyone. He was twenty of twenty nine for two hundred and four yards and a touchdown. That just doesn't sound like it. that. That sounds like an enigma, an anomaly of of who he actually is. He ran for forty yards on seven carries. Maybe it's because he had such less time to prepare. He actually had to focus this week. Yeah, Andy Dalton went thirty of forty seven for three hundred and sixty one yards, four touchdowns. Oh, he also That's had, why I'm surprised he also had three be- interceptions. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. This was I don't know. This is, I mean this was a, a much a, a much more in terms of offense, I think it was probably a much more satisfying game than yeah. what uh, we've seen on Thursday sure. night recently. Sure. But I don't know. You know when the last time prior to last night, you know the last time the uh the Cardinals actually won at home? And who it was against? Week 7 last season. Uh they well, it was October 24th okay. of last year. And who 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 do you think they beat? Seahawks. No. Ah, damn it. Uh, can you give me what? Oh, New England. No, Houston. It was oh, okay. Houston, Texas. Well, you're pointing at yourself. I assume you're 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 a, a, a New England Patriots fan as well. No, I well, no. Okay, so you're you're a diehard Houston. Fan. No, well, no, I would would not call myself diehard. Okay. Now, if the Oilers were still around, I think you could probably well, call me that. But, you would be if they actually put a decent product on the field the last decade or so. Mm. Maybe. I don't know if they I were I don't know if I could de- become they were pretty diehard good a decade ago. Texans fan. They had Matt Schaub. Matt oh, no, Schaub they, they wasn't were great. Too bad. I remember when Matt Schaub's jerseys were the hottest thing to burn in the city of Houston, too. Why? Why did they burn them? Because every every time because every week he was going out there, he was throwing like a you know he'd line up and throw a pick six every time. That's on the coaches for throwing him out there. It's no. not his choice. It's not his Schaub fault for being a hack. He, it's, not, it's not his fault. He sucks. No, so, well that one that year. is his fault. He, he had sucks. one good year. No, you're right. That's Janek's fault. That he sucks. It's not it's all. It's also fault. Bill O'Brien's fault. Bill O'Brien Good played a role. Lord, he absolutely played. But at least he got them to the playoffs. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but back to last night's game. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins made his return, and uh, he said it was a success. Great. He don't cheat, and then you won't have. To so he was targeted games. fourteen times, ten catches, hundred three yards. Also drew a couple of penalties that helped them on that on their way to that win. So the Cardinals probably wouldn't have won without him. Um, he said, you know, if I had 10 catches for 10 yards, I, I still would have been ecstatic. Yeah. Well, they don't have anyone to throw to anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So lucky them for getting him back right on time. Might actually save their season. Maybe. Save uh, Cliff Kingsbury's job. You know who else is back right on time? Uh, yes. Dak is back. Oh, Dak. Dak. Good old, good old Dak is back. Dak returning. Uh, he's, he's back and, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you almost sound like the mayor of Austin there. Oh well, yeah. Thank, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you very much for that, uh, uh, Patrick. I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> but I, can't, long, I can't do Adler. At long last, Dak is back. Uh, he told uh, reporters that uh, he is making the return uh, on Sunday against uh, for Week Seven against the Lions. Has not played for the Cowboys since that nineteen three loss to the Bucks. Uh, Cooper Rush has filled in quite nicely. Yes, he has. Yes, he did. And uh, guided uh, guided Dallas to wins in his first four starts before losing to the Eagles 26-17 last week. But, hey, don't feel bad, Coop. Everybody's lost to the Eagles this year. Yeah, I, I think, you know, just, you know, Dax, uh, you know, he's he's our leader. He's, you know, he's 
you know, he's your starting quarterback. So all, all those things go into this. I don't think it's just, you know, I'm not being critical of your question. I don't think it's just third down. You know, I don't say that, that okay, now third down's going to be better. Um, you know, the, the goal is for the whole offense to be better. And um, no, I think like anything in this league, you get what you emphasize. You know, and that's why we've been emphasizing third down. We've been really pushing a little more first first and second down this week just because, you know, that's that's another area we need to work on. So we just keep trying to, you know, move the, the numbers to where we feel like we need a little more work. And, uh, and that's really for the whole offense, you know. And, but I think just, you know, having him in a director's chair, you know, gives us an opportunity to improve. So with Dak back, I, I don't see the Cowboys having too much of a problem here against the Lions. We'll see. We're talking about a former uh, Cowboy here going to, you know, leading his charge uh, to a team that is not as bad as it once was. They're, they seem to be improving. So we could see them, the Lions, giving them all they got. They allow 428.6 yards, <laughs> which, in case you're not, in case you, you're wondering, yes, is a league worst. I'm just trying to be optimistic over here, and you just straight face fact me, so I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, well, all right, here, okay, so league worst, 167.6 um, rushing yards on defense. Look, those are just averages, all right? That that doesn't mean they do that every single game. Look, they're going to get up for this game because against the Cowboys, it's his former team. They clearly love their coach, and who wouldn't? He's a very likable guy. He's someone you'd want to play for. So you never sure. know. I don't do I think the Cowboys are going to lose? No. Do I think it'll be closer than we all think? I believe that it could be. Dallas has limited 5 of 6 opponents to just one touchdown. While generating a league best 24 sacks. Teams are good about playing down to their opponents, man. You just never know. You just not want to give the Cowboys the credit they deserve this weekend. Because we don't know what Dak's going to look like. Last time we saw him, he wasn't playing very well. And then he got hurt. Mm. Mercifully. That could have been a lot worse. So we don't know what we're going to get with Dak. He may throw left-handed. We don't know. So, all right. What do you think? I still think the Cowboys are going to win. Yes, I do. But it could... It could be down to a one-score game. It could be down to a winning field goal. And it wouldn't surprise me. And you know what? That's okay because they need a game like that. I appreciate your optimism. You don't think that they're going to win? I don't think you believe what you're saying. There's no <laughs> way the words that are coming out of your mouth you believe. Because I'm not a fan. I don't. I, I, at the end of the day, it's not going to bother me. This is just what I think is going to happen in the game. We'll I'm, see. I'm, just try, I'm trying to be a neutral optimist. I'm going seventy-two to three Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I just called. That's just called an irrational homer yeah, right there. Well, I, if I were a Cowboys fan, certainly. <laughs> I was not raised in that kind of home. Good. I was raised better than that. That's good. Yeah, you were fans <laughs> of uh, Warren Moon and Earl Campbell. And I'm a big fan of Earl Campbell. Man, we had his son and on, his sausage. We had his son on the on uh, sports talk last night and. We went for probably about 30 minutes talking to him, mm-hmm. and we could have gone another hour and a half. Like, that guy was cool. Yeah. That guy has a story to tell, and I'm excited to read his book. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Um, what would it take for you to get a tattoo on your face? Uh, never having to work a day again in my life. Post Malone says. But where? It, I guess it depends on where on my face. I don't that there's 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 no qualifier for me. Okay. So I feel like here I could probably get away with that. It may not be it might be frowned upon, but if I'm going to like a if I got like a 9 to 5 job, I could never get away with doing that. And if I never had to work a day again in my life, sure, I'd tattoo the hell out of my face. No, years ago you used to call something like that a no jobber, right? Exactly. Because you, you ain't know, get no job. You but know that, those the times have changed. Times have not really changed. They've just they've just adjusted because apparently now 
the wrist and the hand are no jobbers as are well. They? Yeah, oh, that's what the tattoo parlor people say. Well, Post Malone says if the Cowboys win the Super Bowl, he'll get a, he'll get a ta- another tattoo on his face. So what? He's got he's already got a bunch. Like big deal. Yeah. Good for you, Post. I agree. Just be careful on the stage, man. Don't break any more ribs. You see that? Yeah, that looked painful. He looked in so much pain, and I, I don't, I don't. Yeah, that looked brutal. From what I said, the guy's just an unbelievably nice guy. So yeah, no, nothing against him. Hate to see somebody take a tumble, but uh, and I'm not making fun of him for having face tattoos. But like, it's not really news if you're going to get another one when you already have a face full of tattoos. In other news, water is wet. In other news, this is really good. My mineral. Oh, that's right, yeah. Miner- Mineragua. So stick around. Mineragua. We've got to take a quick break. Come back. We're heading to the bullpen as the Astros remain the only undefeated team and in Brandon the is MLB gonna, postseason. Brandon is going to try and speak Spanish. All right, let's do this. Give us a call. You want to chat about something? 512-834-1027 is the number in the bullpen. We'll be right back. The Bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. He's got two on at the corners here in the third. And Bregman sends one deep to left. It is back and it is gone. A free run poke. Alex Bregman puts the Strohs on the board in the third inning. Oh, and what a beautiful homer that was. And I know you loved where it landed. Crawford box, That's but exactly right. Okay, I'll give him that one. That was 360. That was that was gone with a 91 mile an hour exit velocity. I mean, was and not that was hit very a, hard. No, that was such a smooth, soft sp- uh, swing. Yeah, I I literally turned on the game when that happened, and I you know I, look, I don't like either team, so I like it when both team looks sad. So <laughs> it was cool. So Framber Valdez dominating nine strikeouts, zero earned runs, and that win for the Astros going 2-0. On you the want to know for the American League Championship Series? You want to know why I think they won that game? Because the Yanks were tired. <clears throat> okay, but also Framber survived his stressful inning. Yeah, and he didn't have a freakout like he, he did, did against the He did not have a freakout, and and apparently throughout the season that was an issue for him. And I think he probably got a nice earful after that start, and it, he's definitely adjusted and learned from that because he survived that tough inning. He got out of it, you know what, with two runs. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it was no problem. After no, no, that. no earned runs. Valdez gave up zero earned okay, runs. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, this was a, a three-two win. But they yeah. didn't come off Valdez. Okay, they weren't credited to him. Uh, but uh, I mean, Aaron Judge and uh, and John Carlos Stanton both wound up scoring. But Valdez retired eleven of the final twelve batters he faced. Seven by K. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he looked good. Yeah, and then that three-run homer by Bregman there in the third inning. I put the Astros up, so and that's, that was really all the the offense the Astros needed. That, that is the epitome of the Astros' success right now is timely hitting and home runs. Timely home runs. Because it seems like that's how they've only got their uh, all their runs on are from home They're living and dying by the home run. You are exactly right. But it's working. Exactly the right. Because they're 4-0 now in, in the playoffs. This is a, uh, a, a trend that... Has five and obviously this is not something that you can plan, mm-hmm. but this is the way it has been working for the Astros. Uh, they've now scored 16 of 20 runs in, the, in this postseason via 10 home runs. Wow! So and, and making the tightrope even tauter, margin of victory in their five playoff wins, two or fewer runs. Yeah, that ties with the '99 Braves for the most consecutive wins. And if you look at it, their margin of victory in their five postseason wins that goes like this: one, two, one, two, one. 
Oh no, trust me, I'm aware. Oh, I know you're aware. <laughs> I know. I'm aware, trust me, through uh, especially for three of those. But yeah. and before Bregman went deep last night, Houston was hitless in each of its previous nineteen at bats with runners in scoring position, and that's typically not that's typically how you lose ball games. What the hell is wrong with Jose Altuve? I know. What is he still over? In the series? Uh, Last I saw, he was like 0 for 19. 0 for 19 in the series right, right now, yeah. Wow. What uh, is up with that? It's just and they're me. still winning. It still doesn't matter. And so when he breaks out, watch out. Because you won't have to rely on the home runs as much anymore because he can drive you in. In this postseason, teams are 16-5 and five when out-homering their opponent. And and the Yankees are not really in much of a different ball game sure. or ballpark when you look at what Judge has been doing for them and Stanton. You could argue they had more of an advantage because they're such right-handed power hitting and they had the short field to left field. Yeah. And nobody took nobody takes advantage of it but the Astros. And I don't and, get it. And luckily, I mean, I'll take well, yeah, it. Yeah, obviously. So when best of seven postseason series, teams that have taken a 2-0 lead have gone on to win the series 84% of the time. Only one one team in the previous 17 postseasons rallied from a 2-0 deficit, and that was the 2020 Dodgers against the Braves in the NLCS. We'll see how the weather is, but at this point, it doesn't seem like the Astros have any sort of obstacle ahead of them at this point to get to the World Series. Not to get to the World Series, but I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on over there in the National League. They, be it the Phillies or the Padres, right? Those guys are a bit unpredictable right now. They're kind of scary with how good both teams are playing and how hot they both got right there at the end of the season. The perfect time getting in here in October. Well. You you only can worry about what you can worry about, and that right now is the New York Yankees. Worry about that team when they, when whoever gets there next to you. I think you you should always be I don't know if concerned is the word, but certainly on guard when yeah. you go to play in the Bronx. Sure, always. Well, of course, yeah, it's hostile no matter what. Yeah, well, and the Yanks play well. There. They do, they do, but so do the Astros. So we'll find out uh, tomorrow for Game Three and whether or not you know if the Astros can go up three zero. It's certainly not unprecedented. Because we saw my Red sure. Sox do it in 4 against sure. against the Yankees yep. coming back from a 3-0 deficit. Mm-hmm. But, boy, that would be a hell of a hole for the yeah. Yankees to be in, and I would love to see it. You would. Yeah, you'd love to see it. But, uh, man, would too. I just – it seems like the Astros are really good at playing to their surroundings, and now they have a short porch in right field mm-hmm. coming up in this game. So – and they're really good at, at uh, going the other way. So, uh, man – I could, all they, see, I could see where they can hit a bunch of home runs. Yeah, apparently, and, and, and all they really need is well. Jordan Alvarez, Jeremy Pena, and Alex Bregman. That's all they've Man, needed this I'm postseason. Saying, even Jose Altuve, if he can break out of that slump, he's really good about hitting it the other way. Yeah, and yeah. especially hitting it out. So you got uh, Kyle Tucker, who's 30-plus home run hitter. Now he's got a short porch on the right field it'll, side. It'll be great to see. I, Look I, out, man. I have high hopes oh for the boy. Astros. I, I do, at least getting through this league championship. you got Lance series. McCullers going for game three. He's he's a he's a ground ball hit, uh, pitcher, too. Yeah. So Now tonight, tonight we've got uh, Joe Musgrove on the mound for the Padres up against, uh, looks like, Ranger Suarez for the Phillies in game three in Philadelphia. First LCS game played in Philadelphia in the, in twelve years, whatever it is going to be, years ain't nothing. It's going to be raucous in the city of well, for you guys, <laughs> yeah, you're right. But it's going to be raucous in the city of brotherly love. Sure. I really am hoping. I I, lo- I I really enjoyed watching this Padres team. I really have. Uh, and you wish Juan Fernando Soto, Tatis was out there too. God, if Just Fernando imagine. Tatis was out there, then there would be no question that this is the sure. Padres. They're, they're winning the pennant. They would have been a probably number one seed. I think this will be a, with Soto. I, I think this will be a defining game tonight. Uh, and and I but I I'm taking Phillies I'm I'm taking the Phillies 
I think it's going to be a 4-2 game, Phils. Yeah, it's hard to imagine seeing the Phillies lose at home in their first game in a long time, but I've I've seen that happen before. So, but I I, I yeah, my tune has definitely changed. I was going Padres, but now I think the Phillies are uh, they got all the momentum on their side, and now they're at home. Yeah, so that's that's scary for. For the for San Diego, so six thirty tonight, game three of the NLCS. Uh, looks like Bob Melvin's probably going to shake up the lineup because the Ranger Suarez is out there, uh, the, the lefty. Mm-hmm. So uh, probably probably going to see some changes in the lineup at the top at the top of the lineup. Philly's probably not going to make too many changes. Probably going to revert back to the right-handed hitting lineup. Uh, Brandon Marsh, Bryson Stott, guys like that. Kyle Schwarber leading off, expected mm-hmm. tonight. Phils are healthy. How many home runs do you think Schwarber's going to hit tonight with that? With that, uh, the the energy at that field. Boy, wouldn't it you be think great? he can hit more than one tonight? Wouldn't it be great if Schwarber and Harper both had multi-game homers tonight? How in the same that inning. Would be in the same inning. <laughs> Just uh, uh, one of because I mean one of the most uh, uh, that that homer that Batista hit several years ago that just that moonshot like and that. and the way the crowd just yeah. went insane. I could see that same exact scenario playing out. That would be awesome tonight, or or at least at this home series in in Philadelphia. Hell yeah! Uh, so I'm taking the Phils. Uh, really excited about that. Hey, quick shout out to Bruce Bruce Bochy for becoming the next manager of the Texas Rangers. Hey, I think that's a really good hire. Congratulations, Bruce. What you want to do is sign Clayton Kershaw immediately to a one year deal. Mm-hmm. Bring him back to North Texas. Let's see what this kid can do for you for just one season. Let's see how it goes. Maybe you can get Aaron Judge, too, because Brochi was on the West Coast for so long. He's got them West Coast vibes. Yeah. And we know Aaron Judge kind of wants the West Coast vibe back. You get him to Texas, yikes. I don't want that to happen, but you never know. It'd be exciting. I don't think he's leaving New York, though. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, that, likely. Come on, that's a place to be. We'll see. I don't know. They treated him pretty badly this postseason when he... If because they wanted him to hit 62. Well, yeah, but he's going to remember all those boos when he wasn't getting hits. Yeah, so we'll see. You those, never know. Those many millions he'll make you him forget. Know. Look, many, many millions anywhere would make him forget. Indeed. That's it for us. Bullpen, have a fantastic weekend. Paul Woo! Feinbaum's up next. We'll see you Monday. See ya.